Y'all give a hand to our worship team, by the way. Uh, We got the drums up in here today, baby. Thank you, Kevin. Great job. Um, And I am so fired up for today, and uh, I'm excited to continue this message series uh, because it's been really important. And uh, we need to flip the lights, switch one and three. You got it? Okay. I'm just going to call it out right now. Here we go. Boom. We need more lights, everybody. So until then, we flip the switch. Hey, uh, I'm so excited. Last week, we had a great time. We started this series called We Over Me. Come on, y'all say, We Over Me. We Over Me. We talked about how, man, we have to have that mindset and how some people need you. Like, they need your gifts. They need to hear about your past. They need to hear about how God has changed your life. They need you. They don't need me. They don't need Pastor Clint. They need you. They need your story. And we talked about how uh, Saul, right? Saul was persecuting Christians. He was arresting Christians. He was killing Christians. And he was on his way to Damascus to ruin the church there, to tear it apart. And God met him. And God, I mean, I mean, talk about having an experience, man. He saw this flash of light and all of a sudden God changed everything. But man, that put Saul in a low place. He didn't eat or drink for three days. And he needed a guy named Ananias. And a guy named Ananias listened to God, obeyed God. And that changed the course of human history. We wouldn't be sitting in this room if it wasn't for Ananias. Saul needed an Ananias. And I think I'm sitting in a room, I'm standing in a room with a bunch of Ananiases. Man, people are just waiting on you. They're praying for you to just come along, team up beside them, and speak some life into them. Be in their corner, encourage them. People need you. Well, today we're gonna talk about how you need people. Not only do people need you, but you need people. And uh, that's a hard concept for some of us to grasp today. Well, before we get started, I kind of want to share a quick story uh, that happened this past week while Steph and I were out of town. And uh, man, uh, it's funny. There was a church that we got to link up with. I'll share the story in a second. And they needed God to come through in a big way. And I'm happy to tell you that Oasis Church helped God come through in a big way. God used us in a big way to help them out. And uh, before I get started, I kind of want to share with you some background so this video that you're about to watch will make a lot more sense, okay? So uh, Pastor Stephanie and I, uh, we're part of a, a network that we have small groups that like of other pastors that meet around the country. And uh, I have a small group of guy pastors. She has a small group of lady pastors. And uh, man, that is a great thing for us. Because, man, we can't do life alone, and we need people in our life that know what's going on, that uh, we can tell things to. And so this, peep, these, uh, this group of people, it's called the Next Level Relational Network, and that's what this thing is called. It started out of a church in Fort Myers, Florida, called Next Level Church. And, uh, and so we had actually got teamed up with this network a little too late, and we haven't met these people in person yet. We've only met them on Zoom. How many of y'all do that in your work right now? Like, you've never seen someone in real life, but they're on a computer. Those are how people are with us. And so we went down to Fort Myers this past week, and we finally got to meet our brotherhood and sisterhood group in person. Like, they exist. Like, we, I've, like, hugged them. I'm like, oh my gosh, y'all know so much about us, and I've never seen, like, you're really tall, right? Like, I didn't know how tall you were. Um, and so, it was really neat. Well, this guy that's in my group, his name is Steve Sexton. Him and his wife pastor a church in Rogers, Arkansas. Um, he was sharing with us, with me and uh, Pastor Matt Keller, who started the Next Level Relational Network. And so, I kind of wanted to wrap your mind around that, but, Miss, uh, but Pastor Steve sent us a little video as a way to say thank you, and I want y'all to check out this story, and listen, man, when he shares the cool news, I want y'all to go crazy, because God is awesome, and you're about to hear it. Y'all check out this video. 
Hello, Oasis Church. My name is Stephen Sexton. My wife and I pastor a church called The House in Rogers, Arkansas, and we are a part of the Next Level Relational Network. Actually, your pastor and I are in a group together, and uh, Pastor Stephanie is in a group with my wife, and we the whole goal is to be healthy and high impact. And so we have met a few times over our group me, just connecting, hearing y'all's story, hearing how you guys have uh, launched and moved, moved to Sunday mornings, and now just in, an, in in a new season. And we're so excited for you guys. Well, we were talking, Pastor Matt, who is the uh, founder of the Next Level Relational Network, and Clint, we were talking, and I was telling them the story of how we are in a building campaign, and we needed $100,000 in the next 60 days. And so as I began to talk, Pastor Matt paused my story, and he said, hey, Clint, I just really believe that God um, has been speaking to you. And he said, I think there's a number in your heart and whatever you give, I'm going to match it times 10. So Clint said, absolutely. As he was talking, I think our church is going to sow a thousand dollars. And Pastor Matt said, I'm going to sow 10,000. So I just want you to know that your pastors are extremely generous. And because of the seed that they were willing to sow, we now have $11,000 toward the $100,000 that we need to raise. Come on, y'all give some praise. Come on, the big C isn't in competition. We're trying to see the kingdom advance. And I just want to say that you are under incredible leadership, incredible hearts. And I cannot wait to see all that God has for Oasis Church. Come on, we love you. And we're sending love, come on, from Rogers, Arkansas. See ya. Come on, y'all give God some praise right now. Listen, he kind of, he, he dumbed it down a little bit. I want to tell you what happened from my point of view. All right, so he's sharing this. I just met him 10 minutes ago in person. I mean, I've met him a ton online, but he knows he's been praying for us. He's been encouraging us. But he was sharing, and, and I don't know if y'all know this, banks don't love to lend money to churches, by the way, because it's, for them, it can seem super risky, right? Like, we don't sell a product. It's not like we're selling stuff and making money, right? Like, we people, we this thing runs off of God and uh, using our ties to make this thing happen, right? And uh, I don't know if y'all remember this, but we our church was given $10,000 a, a few months ago, and we decided, man, our church is outrageously so generous. We're going to give every penny of that away. And so we've done some giving meals. We've, we've sewn into some other churches, and this is part of that $10,000 that we're giving away. And as he was talking, he said, hey, this people that are going to actually lend us some money said, if I can raise $100,000 in 60 days, they're going to give me $150,000 on the other end. And so that would finish the build out that we need done. And he's talking and I just, in my spirit felt God say, Hey, Oasis Church needs to sow $1,000. I'm not joking. The instant that that thought entered my brain, Pastor Matt stopped him and said, God just gave you a number and God told me to to multiply that number times 10. And that's what I'm going to give. What did he tell you to give? Like, it was like, Talk about being put on the spot for one thing. And then God is like loudly speaking like, okay, I guess this was him. And I said, well, I think we're going to do $1,000. He goes, great, I'm doing 10. 
right then. And so that was over 10% of what he needed. He told me while we were there, that got him to $89,000. They're on the tail end of this 60 days. And so, man, they're like that close from getting it done. And so I just want, man, to thank you guys. We're able to give away 10, as a church plant, let me just tell you, that's crazy. We were able to give away $10,000 because we're in a financial position because of your generosity, man, that we can afford to do that. And he would not have $11,000 right now if it weren't for the generosity of you guys. So I want you guys just to, man, give God a hand, give yourselves a hand. I think that's awesome. Had nothing to do with Stephanie and I. We were just happened to be the ones that God spoke to in that moment. And so that fires me up right there. I, I love nothing more than getting to bless people. I, I, it, it literally just, I, I, whenever I see it on, when Ellen does it on the talk show, man, I just start crying because it's just awesome, right? But man, how much more awesome is it when the church gets to be generous? I mean, come on, I love it. Also today, I wanna let you know, we're part of an organization called ARC. That's how we planted our church. They're amazing. Shout out to ARC right here. Yeah, she came today because of ARC, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, But they started, and you guys were a part of this because we give to ARC faithfully. We love investing in the church planters. Every penny that we give to ARC goes to church planters, by the way, Uh, like us. There is a church today probably yesterday, I guess, technically, because uh, they're on the other side of the world, starting in the Congo today. Come on, give God a hand. You guys are a part of that. I mean, that's super cool, man. And they, they passed a thousand churches planted total as of two weeks ago. And man, we're just getting started, baby. I love it. God's put on my heart. I'm just ready to rock and roll. We're not even in the message right now. God's put on my heart. The, one of the cities that they're targeting to plant a church in is Clarksville. And I believe God's gonna use Oasis Church to prayerfully send out the next pastor that's gonna be in Clarksville and we're gonna help plant that church. I'm telling you right now, God's put that on our hearts. We're watching, we're waiting and uh, for the timing of it to work out, but I'm so excited, man. I'm just pumped up. Fires me up a little bit. Huh? What? We're not leaving, but someone from our church, I hope that can go and be a part of that. That'd be, how cool would that be? No, y'all are stuck with us. All right, so I'm sorry. Y'all are stuck with us. All right, what are we talking on today? We over me, all right, how you need other people. This became very evident to me about what, 12 years ago? When was the flood? When was the flood? Do y'all remember Sam? 2010, so 12 years ago, okay? Um, And if y'all don't know, if you're not from here, Nashville had a flood that was terrible. I mean, I'm talking, it also happened the same day as some other major national news and it didn't get the coverage, you know, probably deserved, but huh? Okay. The oil, the BP oil spill. That's right. That was a pretty big deal too, I guess. Um, but, uh, I, I was on staff at a church. I'm not going to do the whole detail, but they had the, the worship leader couldn't get to that campus and it was in white house. And they were like, well, Clint, you're dumb enough to drive in this, so why don't you go? And I was like, okay, sounds great. And I hop in the car, Steph and I are engaged at this time. And uh, man, I'm going and all of a sudden my car gets stuck. I I stupidly gave a guy a ride home that I saw on the side of the road, okay? I'm in a 1990 Ford Ranger, two-seater. His name was Randy, moment of silence. (laughs) Greatest car of all time, all right? Uh, but we, we, I get Randy, I take this guy home, and then all of a sudden, I try to ramp a log in the side of a hill, and my car gets stuck. A guy pulls me out with his winch. I mean, it was like an angel pulled around the corner. Right? My car, no lie, 
was flooding on the inside like a movie. And, I, and the waterfall coming off the mountainside was preventing me from opening my door. I was like, I'm gonna drown in Randy. I cannot believe this is out, how it ends for me. Uh, but a guy came out, pulled me out. Um, and then I start driving again and realize I can't make it. So I just ditched my car. My guitar's in there. My ni- a nice camera I have was in there. And I'm thinking, well, all this is gone now because this car is about to get swept away in this flood. It was so bad. Well, then I get, I, I tread water. It's about knee deep at this time. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And I get to where I can see the end of the road that I'm on, right? And uh, this is right where uh, the, the Harrises live. I didn't know them at the time. I didn't know they lived there at the time. And I'm thinking, it, at this point, the creek looks like a river, like a rushy, like you could get a whitewater rapids and just get a raft and go down that thing. And I think... I can make it, right? Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk across this and I'm gonna make it. I start trying it, I fall, almost get swept away into the thing and I freak out and I turn around to like run back to safety where I came from and the flood was increasing so much that it was twice as long. The distance that I had to travel was twice as long because of how fast the flood was going on. And so I'm freaking, I'm not a fast runner. I don't know if y'all can tell about my physique. It does not work, all right? So I'm like panicking, I'm running. I finally make it to safety. And there's a person's house that's like a little bit on a hill, enough to where the flood wasn't getting there. And I'm like, I need this guy right now. Like I need him to answer his door and I need him to let me in, right? Like that's, that's all I need. I, I like, and it looked like I needed that. I was muddy. I had been walking through and I'm thinking the whole time, I'm gonna be late to church, right? Like I, and <laughs> at this point, church is long gone. My phone has been submerged for an hour and a half. It's not working anymore. And so I get to this guy's house and he lives across the street from you guys. I bang on the door and he comes to the door and goes, yes, sir. And I'm like, clearly look like I need help, right? I needed this guy more in this moment than I ever thought I would. And I said, can you help me? He goes, what do you need? And I'm thinking, I need in, man. I need to like dry off. I need, I need a phone. And so I said, well, do you have a phone? And uh, he said, yeah, he gave me his phone. And I was so mad at him at this point because he wasn't letting me in his house that I took his phone and walked off. I'm like, you are not getting this phone back, sir. I need this phone because I need, I'm gonna end up on some dude's roof if I don't get help right now, right? And so I end up calling my mom at this point and I'm like, hey, just so you know where I am, if they're looking for me later, tell them to search for the body here, right? Like that's where it's gonna be. And so I finally, uh, I, she says, hey, actually, I think Wendy Taylor, who was the executive pastor of the church we were at the time, their wife lives on this road. I said, that is great. I need you to call her and tell her that I'm coming to find her right now. And they live like on top of a mountaintop, right? They, were, they live really high up there. And so I said, where does she live? And she was like, she lives like a mile, mile and a half, like the other direction. So I'm like, I gotta walk through this flood again. So I gave the guy's phone back, all right? And, uh, and I'm walking down. It's like waist deep water at this point. It's flooding real bad. The, the name of the road has the word valley in it. So it's, it's filling up with water, all right? So I'm legitimately looking as I'm walking through, like, okay, there's a tree up a hilltop I can climb over here, I think, right? Like if this gets bad, I need an out. And so I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking, my mom couldn't get in touch with Wendy and she doesn't know I'm coming. I have no idea where she lives. And I'm, I'm starting to panic a little bit. I passed Randy on the way, by the way, still doing great. All right, and so we're, we're going and I'm thinking, I need to round this curve and she needs to be standing in her driveway or I'm, I, I like legit think I might die, you know? And so I round that curve and there is a woman way out, I mean, a couple hundred yards out in the distance standing in her driveway. And I 
It was like a movie. I'm sobbing at this point. And I'm like slow motion running because I was in water, right? I'm, I'm like, Wendy! And she starts waving. I've never needed a human being more in my life than that moment right there. Well, see, she, she, we got to her. We hugged for way too long, right? Like, but I just needed a person right then. Have you ever had a situation? You just need a person. She took me up to her house. It had power. It had cable. It, she washed my clothes. She gave me some of her husband's clothes to wear. He's much smaller than I am, so that was fun. But hey, they were dry. A friend picked me up and, man, took me back to her house after this was over. And after the floods subdued, went back, found Randy, in the same exact place where I left him and he started right up, baby, and we left. It was awesome. It was awesome. I loved it. But man, I needed Wendy in that moment, right? There was another moment in our lives where uh, Steph and I, we are our first year of marriage, which next week, by the way, Stephanie and I are teaching together and we're gonna be talking about relationships. We're gonna be talking about marriage in particular. If you're not married, still come. Put some tools in your toolbox, all right? But we're gonna be sharing about our marriage a little bit and how God wants your marriage to be better. So be sure you're back next week. But our first year of marriage was our worst year of marriage. Can I get an amen from somebody out there that's been married? It was terrible. Uh, not because we've known, we've been best friends since eighth grade. We know how to really tick each other off, right? Like we knew how to press each other's buttons and we were very immature, could not communicate and we screamed and fought so much. It wasn't even funny. And uh, we were in the middle of our first year of marriage and we thought, let's bring a baby into this scenario, guys. Like this is a perfect environment for us to, kids make everything better. It's gonna relieve all the stress in our lives. And so we decided let's have a baby. And uh, so we started trying to have a baby and tried for a little while and finally got pregnant. And I remember, that was so exciting. Uh, if you've ever had that experience before, uh, we were telling our parents and videoing it, you know, and uh, tricking them. They had no clue. So it was like a total shock that we would have a baby because they're probably thinking, are y'all ready? You know, and uh, just like we should, we should have been thinking. And uh, so we got pregnant. We tell the parents it was awesome. And we started telling like our small group and stuff. And it was great. And uh, I was working at another church at the time and I was at church that morning. She was coming later and I get a phone call from her and it's pretty frantic. And she said, hey, I need you to come home. I think we're losing the baby right now. We were pretty early on. And uh, it's about 10 years ago, nine, nine and a few months or almost 10 years ago. And so I go home and I don't know what to do. I, I didn't even, this never even crossed my mind that we would have miscarriage. And uh, I remember coming home She's obviously just way more distraught than I am. And, uh, and I'm just trying to take care of Stephanie. I haven't even had time to process this. And we start telling some of our small group, like, hey, I think Stephanie's having a miscarriage right now. And uh, you know, just pray for us. And I'm telling you, it wasn't an hour later. Food on our doorstep, people in our home, just not, not trying to talk to make us feel better, but just being there for us. We had a cruise that we booked a year before this that was leaving in two days um, that we were going on. And uh, we decided if this is really happening, we're going to drive down to Disney World and we're going to go to Disney World. It's hard to be sad at the happiest place on earth, right? So, huh? You can be. We figured that out on this trip. It still sucked. But it was, it was better than being at home. Um, and would you know that they paid for all of our gas, all of our food, our small group did. And in a time where we needed people the most, they showed up. You need people. I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how smart you are, how spiritual. You need people. God designed you that way. You need other people in your life that you can go to in times like that. 
And every year, Stephanie shares our, our, her miscarriage story, our miscarriage story, and it's crazy. There's so many women that reach out to her and says, I've never told anybody this, but, and boom, they need people. People, man, uh, we need each other, right? Uh, and, and it's something that, for some reason, it's so hard for us to ask for help sometimes. If you're a Southern man in this room right now, you're among the worst, okay? Like, you don't think you need, your leg could be literally falling off your body and I could go, hey man, you need some help? No, I'm good. I'm good, man, yeah, I'm good, right? Just, uh, that's just how men are sometimes. Like, we don't like to admit that we need some help sometimes. If you're a lady in here, it ain't just the men. Y'all try to spin all these plates. You got your, your blog going. You got, you know, the side hustle going. You got the kids going. Everyone's doing different sports, different nights of the week, and you're dying on the inside, right? Like, but, you, it's hard, and people are offering, hey, let me watch the kids one night. You can go out to go out to dinner or whatever. And you're like, no, no, I'm good. No, no, no. Man, we all need help, and we all need to let people help us. So we need to put ourselves in a position to let other people be there for us. And I'm t- as a pastor, that's so hard for us to do sometimes. It's so hard for you to do sometimes. But you are not an exemption to the rule. You need people. Man, you need people to stand in your corner and pray for you when it matters, right? You need people to show up whenever you need them. Well, today, we're gonna look at a story in Exodus chapter 17. And we're gonna start in verse eight. If you got a real Bible, if you're one of the OGs, come on, turn it there. Let me hear the pages shuffle. I love it, right? If not, turn your Bible on. Exodus chapter 17. I always use the New Living Translation, by the way. If you wanna use that, uh, you can. But it's gonna be right up here on the screen. And it says this. While the people of Israel were still in Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Now, before we go any further, I kind of want to give us some history, what's happened to get to this point, because it's actually a really, really big deal, all right? The Israelites, they're the God's chosen people. This was just after they escaped uh, Egypt, okay? So it hasn't been that long. Like, they had just left Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, generations enslaved in Egypt. And God finally leads them out. And they had zero combat experience. They did not need to fight when they were in Egypt. The, uh, the Pharaoh had an army and they were pretty dang good, all right? So they didn't need to fight. They had zero experience in battle. Um, and uh, when Pharaoh's army actually came after them, whenever they escaped, escaped Egypt and they crossed over the Red Sea, God does this amazing miracle. They didn't even have to fight them then because God fought for them that day, right? So they had no experience. Now, this was the first battle that they have ever been in, and they had just crossed the Red Sea. They had just seen God do the most amazing miracle on their behalf, and things could not be going better for them. They were free from slavery. God had done this crazy miracle. Uh, And not only that, they get to a point, literally like the chapter before this, and they're all thirsty. They're complaining. The Israelites do this all the time. They complain about everything. And Moses just has to deal with all their problems. And they said, hey, we're thirsty. Well, Moses is like, "Uh, we're in a desert. I don't know if you know this, but there's no water here. Well, God tells Moses, hey, take your stick, and I want you to hit that rock over there. And he hits the rock, and water magically starts pouring from this rock and they have now fresh water to drink. And everybody, I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of these people. Some people even think there might be close to 2 million Israelites, okay? And now they're all drinking water after they complain to Moses. He hits a rock. I mean, imagine if I hit a, the center block wall right here and all of a sudden just, just water everywhere. Y'all be like, that's crazy. Like this is demonic, right? Like there's no, this is not holy. So this just happened. Well, all of a sudden, 
They've seen these crazy miracles. They've been in a season of God delivering them and showing up, baby. And all of a sudden, they face their first attack. I want to remind you today, just because you're free from slavery doesn't mean that you'll be free from struggle. Like they've been freed from their bondage. They have been freed from, I mean, their captivity. And just because they were free from slavery didn't mean that they were free from struggle. A lot of us have a hard time with that. We think that, man, we're going to church. I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. And all those things are amazing things. Don't stop doing that. But guess what? You're still going to have a hard time. Just because you're doing those things doesn't mean that life isn't going to happen to you. In fact, Jesus said this in John 16, 33. I've told you all of this that you may have peace in me. He says this, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Like, hey, you're gonna go through a lot of battles. Like while you still live here on earth, you're gonna have a lot of fights. There's gonna be a lot of battles happening in your life, but take heart because I have overcome the world. But that's such a hard thing for us to remember. Like when we're going through tough times in our lives and we're going through things, man, we're like, ooh, I just, like God, why is this happening to me? Like I'm doing all the right stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm giving the right amount of money. I'm, I'm serving at church. I'm doing give a meal. Come on, like I'm doing all the, like why is this stuff happening to me? It's happening to you because it's life. Like we live here on earth. This earth is broken. You're gonna go through some stuff. Like you're going to need help at some point. There's no way around it. I don't care how strong you think you are, you need help. Help. Why? Because battles are going to come no matter where you are in life. All right, let's keep going. Uh, in uh, chapter 8, it says, While the people, or I'm sorry, chapter 17, verse 8, while the people of Israel were still in Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua. Y'all say Joshua. Joshua. Remember that. We're coming back to it. Choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Okay? Tomorrow, I, so you go do the hard work. Like, I want you to go fight tomorrow. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stand at the top of that hill. If you're Joshua, you're going, what? You send me out here to the front. You're like, I'm going to fight these dudes, and you're going to go to the top of a hill? And, he, and here's his plan. His plan's great. I'm going to hold the staff of God in my hand. If I'm Joshua, I'm going, you lazy sack of bones, man. You're going to make me go fight these people. We don't even know how to fight. And you're going to go hold a stick on the top of that hill? Like, are you crazy? And then it goes on and says this. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. This is great. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained, the Amalekites gained the advantage. All right, so here's some things that I've learned. I was studying for this, and listen, I didn't go to college, so I gotta do a lot of studying to, to know some stuff when I get up here, right? So I learned some things, and I want you to know something. This is crazy. Uh, the, the name Jesus, okay? You ever heard of Jesus before, right? Not a trick question. He's a guy that died on the cross for your sins, okay? Uh, Jesus is the Greek way of pronouncing the name Joshua, they're the same exact name. I don't know if you knew this. Like Joshua and Jesus are the same name, all right? They're just pronounced differently in two different languages. They're the same name though. So it's important to understand this. Moses, we think he looks crazy. But the picture that's being painted here is something that we need to learn. Some of us are having a tough time. You come in here, you're tired. You come in here, you're drained. You come in here scarred up, bruised up. And it's because you're fighting your own battle. Now, I want you to, don't miss this. 
Moses looked at Joshua. And what is Joshua, what's, the, what's Joshua's other name? Jesus. He looks at Joshua and says, Joshua, I want you to go do what only you can do while I go and do what you've asked me to do or what, 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 what I need to do, right? So here's the lesson. We need to let Jesus go and fight these battles for us a lot of times. And what we need to do is we need to take some friends and we need to take some people that we're close with and say, no, 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 okay, I'm gonna let Jesus fight while I go up here and I go do what I've been asked to do, what I've been called to do. What I need to do is get some people in my corner and we need to go up and we need to go pray. That's what I need to do. Because I know that I can't win this battle. Only Jesus can win this battle. But what I can do, I can go pray. And when he starts praying, things start changing. Another thing you need to understand is that this was the posture of prayer back then. So when someone had their hands up, it was the posture of prayer. He wasn't going up there to wave a magic stick, a magic wand so that they would start winning. No, no, no. He was going up and he was praying. So man, when he was praying, his life was going a lot better. When he was praying, the Israelites started battling. But when he got tired, when he just started losing it a little bit, his hands started to fall. Guess what? The Amalekites started winning the battle. It's the same in your life. Man, how many of us are trying to just fight in our own strength, fight in your own strength? Well, guess what? You might be able to keep up for a little bit and do good for a little bit, but there's gonna be a point where you're gonna lose because you're fighting a battle that Jesus was meant to fight. You need to do what you, need, what you can do, and that's to get up and start praying. God, I don't know what we're gonna do to have a place to meet on Sunday morning, but I'm gonna pray. God, I know there's a place. God, I, I can see it. I know in my spirit you've called us to do this. God, would you open the doors? Would you open the doors? We did this twice a day for months, 7.14 a.m., 7.14 p.m. I tried to fight the battle on my own. I was knocking on businesses and doors and got told no every single time. And I came, I went to bed every night, tired, frustrated, discouraged. And I said, nope, we're just gonna pray. I'm just gonna pray. And when you know, my goodness, when we start praying, God starts doing something. Here's something you gotta understand. When we fight, we fight. But when we pray, God fights. When we fight, we fight. But when we pray, God fights. And I wonder how many people in here need to start praying, need to stop fighting a little bit. Well, what does this have to do with me needing other people? I'm glad you're asked. All right, here we go. So there they were, they're on top of the hilltop. Moses is holding up his stick, his little staff. And every time he holds it up, it's going great. And every time he pulls it down, it's going bad. All right, so that's this idea. Well, here's what it goes on to say. It says this, as long as Moses held up his staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. Now, uh, some of us in here work out together. Y'all are sick of me talking about it. I don't care. Big part of my life right now. We do these things on Fridays called AMRAPs. If you don't know what that is, it's as many rounds as possible. And uh, that wouldn't be so bad if we were talking like the round was lasted 30 seconds. But saying our trainer there was the last five minutes, like five minutes. And there was the first week we did this that she had us do arm workout after arm workout for five straight minutes. And Thomas and I are working together. And I'm like, I don't think if you asked me to pick up a penny off the ground that I could lift it up right now, right? Because when your arms are doing this for so long, some of you do this during worship and you're like, man, my arms get a little tired, but I don't wanna put my hands down, you know? But like, okay, Moses is doing this with his staff. His arms are starting to get tired. And the people, Aaron and her that are with him are noticing like, hey, when he puts that stick down, like our dudes are getting smoked out there. Like we gotta, 
We got to keep his arms up, right? And so here's what happens. And uh, where am I at? Uh, so Aaron and her, they found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua, or Jesus, overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Okay. Oh, this is where it starts to get good, all right? So Moses is trying to do his part. He's gone. He's letting Joshua fight the battle. He's going to do what really matters. And he gets there. And wouldn't you know it, he's human. He starts to get tired. His arms start to fall a little bit. He's like, oh, just, oh, just I can't do it anymore. His arms are probably on fire. And his arms start to fall. Well, Aaron and her are there. And they go, nope, not on our watch. They go find a rock. They roll this rock over there. He sits down on this rock. And then Aaron and her get under his arms and hold up his arms. And they're like, not on our watch. Man, we are going to make sure that my man Moses gets his arms up the entire time. Now, I haven't talked about this at all, I don't think. Uh, but years ago, I don't even remember what year this was, uh, I once completed something called the Savage Race. Anyone ever heard of the Savage Race before? It's like a tough mutter. You ever heard of that? Um, and so there was a point where I was working out with a lot of people from church uh, at our last church. And man, we had the, we had the best community. It was a, a lot like what we do now at Crunch. And uh, we would go out in the parking lot in Florida. Let me tell you something about Florida. It's hot down there, okay? And we would work out outside, rain or shine. And uh, we would be out there, we'd work out, we would run. And our trainer, Charlie, who did this for free for us, I mean, it was like the biggest blessing ever, was like, hey, we're gonna do the Savage Race. And I'm like, you're high. Like, that ain't, that ain't happening. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't doing the Savage Race. They taught, everyone else did it, so I'm like, dang, I gotta do it. So, we start training for this savage race and it's basically, it's six miles. The one we did was six miles with like 20 obstacles and some of these obstacles are crazy. And you're in mud, you're jumping over walls. You know that Ninja Warrior curved wall? Like that, I'm like, ah, there's no way. I'm like, can I do that, right? So my goal was just to cross the finish line. That was my goal. I'm like, I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna do as many obstacles as I can, but I, by God, I'm gonna cross that finish line. It might be midnight, all right? But hey, we, we're gonna cross that line. So we wake up early, we go down there, and it's me, Kevin, Jared, and Charlie. Charlie's our trainer. And our heat comes up, and dude, we're pumped up, baby. I'm like, I'm about to run this six miles in four minutes, right? I'm, I'm so excited. And uh, we start running, and the first it wasn't an obstacle, but the first obstacle was just running like three quarters of a mile to get to the first obstacle. And so I'm running. Again, I'm not built to run right now. So I'm, I'm running, I'm running, and I make it to that first obstacle and I do it. I'm like, oh, I just jumped over this little wall. I feel pretty good about myself right now. Army crawled under some barbed wire, didn't get cut. I feel pretty good. Well, I got to get up and go again. I get up, I look around, everybody's gone. I'm the last one there, and they've all like zoomed on past me. And uh, now it's me, and I turn around, and Charlie, is with me. Now, Charlie's real fit. Like, that dude's got the most energy I've ever seen. He's, he's like little guy. You'll see a picture of him in a second, but he's stout. And so I look at Charlie, I'm like, Charlie, go. He goes, nope, I'm gonna be with you the entire way. I'm not gonna let, I'm not gonna let you quit. I'm gonna be here. My gosh, I needed Charlie. And so we start going, and, but I'm telling you, I'm doing stuff. I ne I'm climbing up rope walls. I jump over this wall. By the way, I couldn't do it by myself, so 10 strangers behind me grabbed my butt and <laughs> slung me over that wall. And I was like, yeah, baby. I'm like, that's going crazy, right? And so I'm doing this. I'm going. I skip about 85% of the obstacles because I'm like, no physical way I can do that. But hey, I'm, I'm going to cross the finish line. And so I get to this one point. And I've never been more sore or in pain, this much pain in my life. Probably not healthy, but I'm finishing the race, right? And so 
I get to a point and I stop for the first time. And Charlie goes, you're not stopping. Come on, let's go. And we start jogging. I might start crying. We start jogging again. I want to stop again. Charlie goes, I'm not going to let you stop. We're going to finish, we're going to finish the race. You're going to cross that finish line. And all of a sudden, like something, have you ever hit that second wind? Oh, baby. It's better than any feeling in the world. And I hit that second wind, and I'm like, oh, baby, I'm doing this. I get to the last, the last obstacle is jumping over fire, okay? <laughs> I made it. <laughs> I jumped over the fire. I'm covered in head to toe in mud. And I start just crying. I can see the finish line. It's like from here to the wall. I start crying, and I cross that finish line. Put that picture up there, baby. Come on. Come on. There's a picture, Jordan. Is it up? Oh, it's up. Great. Come on. You can't tell I'm crying, but man, I'm like, I'm hurting and I'm crying. That's Charlie next to me right there. Charlie is the man. He's a chiropractor out in Oregon or somewhere over there, uh, but he's awesome. Go to the next picture. This is what I look like after the race, okay? Then you have to go into a tent and shower with others, which is always weird, okay? And then the next race... Or the next one, all right, so these are all the people that went with us. That's before the race, obviously, all right? So uh, that's what happened, man. And I'm telling you, I needed a Charlie to go, I ain't gonna let you quit, dude. Like, we're crossing this finish line together. If I have to die trying, we're gonna do it. You need people like Charlie in your life. Man, you need people that are go, I'm not gonna let you quit. I'm not gonna let you get back into this bad habit. I'm not gonna let you stop doing this because I know it's gonna better you. I'm gonna put a stone under you. I'm gonna hold up your arms. I'm gonna be there for you. You need people like that that are in your corner. But so many of us resist that. We don't want people to know things about us and to hold us accountable because it's uncomfortable and fun. Well, guess what? You need it. You need a Charlie in your life that's gonna go, I'm not gonna let you stop. I know that God has something better for you. And it's not about calling people out. It's about letting people call you up because man, there's greatness inside of you. You got the Holy Spirit inside of you and you need some people to draw that out of you. And so we need to be a a people that are gonna let some Charlies get into our life and push us, help us keep going. Man, some of us are trying to kick a bad habit. Well, guess what? Let some other people know. So we go, Clint, you don't, no, 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 we're not doing that anymore. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna let you do that because I love you. Hey, you need people that are gonna know how your marriage is. Some of our marriages are struggling in here. If that's you, come to our marriage small group, by the way. Come exactly, next week we're gonna talk about it. But man, I'm telling you, come, let us know, hey, we're fighting a lot right now. Okay, well, guess what? We're just gonna lovingly be there for you. We're gonna ask you how are things going and we're gonna try to help you. We wanna be a Charlie to you. And some of you guys, let me talk to the guys for a second. We're bad at this. Lesson people in. Pornography's been ruining your life for years. Nobody knows. It's a big secret. Let somebody know because you're better than that. Some of us, man, our kids are driving us crazy. We feel like we're failing as a parent. And man, I just find myself yelling at them. This is me, right? I'm just gonna tell you, this is a struggle for me right now. I feel like I'm losing the parenting battle. I feel like I'm a bad dad sometimes because of how I respond and how I react. Well, guess what? People need to know that so that we can help you, man, be a great dad, be a great mom. Some of you ladies, you're struggling. Man, you might be fighting some mild depression. You don't feel like getting out of bed. You don't feel like being a mom today. And you feel guilty, then you have mom guilt, and then that just snowballs into this terrible cycle. People need to know so that you can wake up in the morning and get a text message from someone you love that says, hey, you're a great mom. You're gonna be a great mom today. Go kill it. Come on. I don't know if that's how girls talk to each other, but that's, that's what I would say. <laughs> right, hey, you're gonna be great. But the fact is this, is that you need 
some errands, you need some hers in your life. They're gonna hold your arms up and not let you quit because this life is too important. Man, your life matters to us. And so we wanna do whatever it takes to get you in that position. But let's go back to the first verse we looked at today. It's uh, chapter 17, verse eight. It says this, while the people of Israel were still in Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Now, we don't get the full picture in this, in this uh, spot in scripture right now. Uh, we don't know uh, how big of a deal this was, but later on, this was such a nasty attack. This was such a nasty attack that people wrote about it several times in the Old Testament. This is the biggest picture we got. It says this in Deuteronomy, what is it? There on their side, chapter 25. Never forget what the Amalekites did to you as you came from Egypt. They attacked you while you were exhausted and weary and they struck down those who were straggling behind. They had no fear for God. That's nasty. Let me tell you right now, the enemy, he does not give a rip about you. He does not give a rip about your family. He does not give a rip about your kids. He is going to get you while you're exhausted, while you're tired, and while you're alone, staggering in the back. And so here's what the, the, the Amalekites did. They saw, and actually, I don't know if you know this, they have beef with the Israelites because uh, uh, Amalek was the grandson of Esau. Okay, so if you know anything about uh, Bible history, Esau was supposed to get the blessing of Abraham, like the father of the, the Israelites. And Jacob tricked him and got the blessing that Esau was supposed to get. And so Esau and him had a beef for a long time. Well, the Amalekites are descendants of Esau and they don't like the people of God because the people of God were getting the blessing that they were supposed to get. And so they see these people that they hate walking through the wilderness and they're like, we're gonna get them. The devil hates you. I don't know if you know that. He hates you. He hates your family. He hates your kids. He hates to see you win. And you know who he's looking for? People that are tired, people that are exhausted, and people that are staggering behind, not with a group of people. And so the Amalekites looked at the Israelites and they saw the old people that couldn't keep up. They saw the sick people that couldn't keep up. And they saw the loners, the friends people that didn't wanna be with the rest of the group. And these people that probably could have been with everyone else and had the safety of the herd, but nope, they were on the outskirts. And the Amalekites came up from behind and they killed the children. They killed the older people. They killed the people that may have had some sort of disability that prevented them from, they, they, they killed those people first. That's nasty. That's mean. The enemy is doing the same thing to you. Peter tells us this. He says, stay alert. Listen, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's sitting in the weeds. He's watching you and he's waiting for you to fall behind a little bit. He's waiting on you to overextend yourself and to get tired and to start maybe getting a little bit, I'm not shaming anybody, but when you start to get in that vulnerable place and maybe you're struggling with a little bit of depression or mental illness of some sort, he's waiting on that moment because he's not trying to fight you when you're strong. No, he's trying to pick off the easy ones. And it's easy for the devil to get you when you're hanging out in the back and you're not committed and you're not really letting anybody in and you're kind of outside the herd a little bit. Guess what? You're the first one he's gonna get. And it's, it's probably gonna work. And some of, so many of us walk into this place and we're broken. 
And we're wondering like, God, what is going on? And God's just like, hey, you need some other people, man. I've given you the tools you need. You just have to be willing to put yourself out there and do it. Here's what Ecclesiastes says. It says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two people, they can stand back to back and conquer. But three, that's even better, for a triple braided cord, it's not easily broken. The Bible is full of examples of, where, uh, of examples of how we need other people. You are not the exception. Please don't think that you're the exception because you're not. You can't be spiritual enough to do life on your own. It's impossible. You need others. You need others. You need others. Well, Clint, how can I find those people? So glad you asked. We have groups starting this week. Can you have that connect card? You need to be in a group. I'm just telling you because I love you. You need to be in a group. You need people to know the stuff going on in your life. Here at Oasis, we want people to do four things. We want people to know God. We want people to find freedom, discover their purpose so they can make a difference. How we find freedom, we get in a group. We share with people in that group like, hey, I'm struggling. And you're not gonna hear someone go, come on, dude. No, you're gonna hear someone go, me too. Like, I struggle with the same exact thing, man. And to, hey, we're gonna get through this thing together. That's what you're gonna find here. You're not gonna find condemnation. You're not gonna find anyone judging you, nothing. No, 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 we wanna help you. And so, man, we have added a ton of groups since last week onto our website. So if you wanna join a group, I, I don't care if we, you filled out four of these, okay? Fill this out, say, I wanna join, I want more information about a group. And in here, say, I wanna lead a group or I wanna join a group. And man, we will call you, we will put you in a group, we'll have the leader reach out to you, and man, you need this. I'm telling you, you go all in right here, your life changes. Coming to church is not gonna cut it, all right? I love, come here, this is part of the process, but community is where life change is really gonna happen in your life. I'm not that good of a preacher, I can't change you, okay? But people in your life can help change you. So here's the invitation today, join a group. Go to our website, oasistn.church. Click on the group tab up top. It'll take you to the list of groups that we have coming. Let me just tell you about a few right now. Stephanie is leading a women's group. When are you meeting? Um, starting tomorrow at Black Press right here. Around, nope, on Long Hollow. Okay, so if you're a lady, Stephanie, Pastor Stephanie's leading a group. It's at Black Press off Long Hollow Pike, kind of toward the Gallatin area. That We have dance that happens right then, so that's where we're having the group. So ladies, come. They're gonna be uh, doing something, I don't know. First Corinthians, great, that's awesome. Another lady, Robin, Joey's wife. You can go ahead and play that music, brother. Bring the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Joey's wife is leading another book, or another study. They're going through a book by Angie Smith. Can't remember the name of the book. Huh? Matchless, it's gonna be great. Be there, it'll be later at night. Put your kids to bed, let your husband watch them, right? I'm leading a men's group in the mornings. Come on, men, let's go. We're meeting at someone's house. They live right behind Long Hollow Baptist Church. We're gonna hang out. I'll be leading that one. I'm buying the book for everybody. You don't have to spend a penny. Just come and come when you can. If you miss a couple, I don't care. Come back. Come on, we gotta make it a part of our lives. Come back, men. Man, so goes the men of this church, so goes our church. I believe that. Like, man, we need to step up and lead a little bit, all right? Uh, Stephanie and I, Pastor Stephanie and I, we're leading a couples group. If you're engaged or married, man, come join our group. 
Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Come learn from our mistakes, all right? And man, I'm hoping that we get some people in there that are a little older than us that can provide some wisdom that we don't even have. You're, please come. My gosh, if you're a couple that's been married for 20 plus years, we need you there. Because there's people that have been married for two years, three years. My gosh, they need to know what you know. We want healthy marriages here. Come on, come join this. And we're going to meet every other week. We're going to provide, we're all going to chip in and provide childcare for each other. And uh, our kids can tear up our basement all day long. I don't care. We just need you there. All right. And there's other groups I'm forgetting about, but go, go join a group. Do it today. If you want to do it today, I'm going to unplug my computer. I'll go to the info desk, sign up for one right there. Don't leave without signing up for a group. And I promise you go all in there and your life doesn't look drastically different in 12 weeks, I'll change churches with you. All right? I'm serious. That's how much I believe in groups. One of our core values here is that we are committed to community. I'm, com- I'm telling you, I will move heaven and earth in my life to be with people. Why? Because I need them, and I think I have something to offer to people too. God's gifted you. You have something to offer people. So let's get in groups, and let's do this thing together. Y'all with me? Come on, y'all with me? Let me at least see some head nodding. Here we go. All right, great. Let's pray. God, we love you. I thank you so much for today. God, would you just help us with this, God? Give us the courage to join a group and keep coming. God, would you part the seas you need to part with our schedules to make it happen? Come on, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I never want to pass up an opportunity to invite you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Invite him into your heart. I don't even really like that phrase, but it's important. It all starts there. You can get around the right people. You can get in the right environment. But if Jesus isn't the Lord of your life, it's never going to work. It starts with that. And so in here, if you're like, Clint, that's me. Like I know I need to start a relationship with Jesus. I've been coming to church. I've done the religious thing, but that ain't working. I need to start a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I'm gonna invite you in this moment to just say this prayer in your heart and invite him in. Say, dear God, I need you. I need you to come into my life. God, I thank you for what you did on the cross for me. I make you the Lord of my life. And in the best way I know how, I will live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, y'all give God a hand for the people that may have made that decision today. So excited, all right.